Stretching from the Pacific Northwest to the East Coast and landing in the Midwest, Joshua, Tracy, and Kelly present to you Rooted Perspectives, an audio and video podcast. Join us while we share our perspectives on a wide variety of topics that are both culturally and socially relevant, ranging from current events, travel, technology, lifestyle, pop culture, finance, careers, and so much more. Three diverse perspectives rooted across the country. Welcome. Thank you for joining us here at Rooted Perspectives. Uh, My name is Kelly. I'm Tracy. And Joshua. As you can see, we have a fourth person joining us. Samuel, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, My name is Sam Jackamet. And um, he is our special guest star for the evening. I used to actually work with him a couple years ago. Um, We did the recruiting game for a little while. I'm still in it. It was a short-lived project for him, but um, he's on to better things. And um, I just always really admired his story. He has a super unique perspective. um, And so I'm excited to hear more about it tonight. Um, Sam, why don't you just tell our listeners first off, like a little bit about yourself, your background, like where you're from, your family, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, well, I'm from a small town in South Dakota, 700 people. Uh, after high school, went up to South Dakota State University, joined the National Guard. Um, bopped around, bartended, and then, uh, eventually making my way to joining the Peace Corps. Okay. And that was a super interesting thing that I learned about you right away uh, over at our place of employment, we'll say. <laughs> um, so I, we tell our listeners, for those of us who don't know you, and uh, Josh and Tracy had a chance to meet you the other day, but... Um, Tell us a little bit about your time at Peace Corps, uh, what Peace Corps is, um, and kind of what made you want to join that. So the Peace Corps is a government program. It's volunteer-based. So when you're there in country, which they cover about 60 countries in the world and have been in over 130, I believe, Um, It's been around since the 60s. I think John F. Kennedy was the one that started it. But um, so the idea is that you sign up to do a job. There's five different sectors, um, agriculture, education, health, business, and environment. And you travel over to a country that either you select or have been selected to go to. Um, Usually you're going with a group of other Americans You train for one to three months, and then once you live in your site, um, or once you get to your site, you're there for two years. So in my experience, it was 55, 56, I think, of us that were there initially. I think we ended with like 37, Um, and it was three months, and it's kind of like a study abroad type thing where... Uh, I lived with a host family for three months, and then every day you, they kind of have like a centralized location where they do language courses and getting to understand the culture and, and what's going on and, and kind of what you're there to do. So I was a health volunteer, um, completely tech, not, no technical um, practices I wasn't it's not like I was qualified to go into a hospital and start working it was more educational based Um, I went to Mozambique Africa and their main issues are or well my main mission was educating the population on malaria and HIV which are very prevalent and what did Did you you pick Mozambique so um, no I did not I actually interviewed to go to Madagascar originally. And I did not get in, and so I reapplied, and uh, I landed in Mozambique. Tracy, question. 
I was I was gonna say like kind of like how you taught them about those things you know like what did you tell them like kind of more of like in depth and detail of what you did exactly to get into the Peace Corps no like when you were over there oh like what I did as a job yeah uh, um so pretty much it would be I mean it's very it's structured in the first three months let's just put it that way um, you're again, you have a host family, there's representation from America and Mozambique. You're working alongside, um, people full time, just getting an understanding of what you're getting yourself into. It's very, um, glamored in the first three months. And then when you get to your site, reality hits pretty quickly. And, um, you have a supervisor. There is some structure there. You have a supervisor there that so that my supervisor was the doctor of the hospital. Um, and then they do set you up with a family just to kind of give you some connection into the community. I did live by myself though. Um, and so in the day to day, this is very loosely based, but the idea was going to the hospital. Um, there's people sitting around you start conversation you gather people in a group and whether it's malaria whether it's nutrition or hiv um just trying to get the message across as much as possible i think the biggest thing is integration so integration is is just you becoming part of the community by gaining trust and um, i think that's the most important aspect of the job because you can have the message and you can have the ideas, but no one's going to listen to you unless they see that you're trying. So um, other parts of my job was creating projects, um, sustainability in those projects, which was required me to gain trust with people that worked at the hospital. Um, we'd go out into the, I lived in a very rural community, which before joining, I kind of thought that was the norm, but a lot of people are stationed in the cities or very, or in a pretty densely populated area, but I was in a very rural community. And um, so we would be going on lots of walks into the back country, I guess you could call it, checking in with people that had HIV and making sure that they were taking their medication and, and making sure that just kind of wellness checks and stuff like that, so. So before you went over there, had you ever done anything like that or like went to a country like that before? Or was this like a first? Well, the only other experience I had really, I had been to, I had been to the Dominican Republic in that type of setting. I mean, it was only like three day long thing, but I did, I, through the National Guard, I did go overseas. Um, it was never so emerged into a community was mostly military based to military base. So I didn't, and, and that's kind of where the idea stemmed from was, was wanting to be emerged into a culture and really knowing what it's like uh, to live a life like that. Was it a culture shock when you first got there? No, not really. Um, I mean, yes, probably, but because you're there with other Americans, it's definitely a lot easier. And again, Peace Corps is kind of, they're holding your hand along the way. Like they're not, they're making sure that you're not getting yourself into too much. Um, when I landed at my site, I immediately regretted my decision. And, uh, and I don't know if that was culture shock or what, but it was, yeah, it was something else. So how would you compare uh, where you were to like the culture there, the people accepting of Americans, because our last guest speaker told us, I believe it was France and China. It, you get there and they're just like, it's over there. Right. Like they weren't too friendly and welcoming of like the American people. So did you go through that same thing or were they more welcome with like arms open to you? Um, very arms open. Um, they, they actually don't like uh, they don't like the Chinese Chinese so much, and they don't like the South Africans so much. The white South South Africans, I should say. But Americans, they are in love with our culture. 
uh, Rambo and Chuck Norris and and Rocky are like their favorite their favorite movies. Um, they ask me all the time if they're still alive, and I'm like, yeah, they're still kicking. So, so they really they really do love the American culture. That's awesome. Do they think it's just super glamorous and fancy? And yeah, like... definitely. If they're thinking of America, they're thinking of New York City for sure. Right. So that's rap. awesome. What's that? Nothing. I said so they're thinking of rats. Running around. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Sam, why, like, out of everything that you could have done, especially like during after the National Guard, why did you choose to do the? Peace Corps. Were you looking to try something different? Were you looking for experience? What was your driving factor behind that? Well, I think it stems from coming from a small town um, and recognizing pretty quickly that there's a lot more out there. And yeah, I can just always remember wanting to explore, wanting to see another culture. And like, you know, you don't have to really go that far to do it. I mean, being in the National Guard, um, going to basic training in AIT, like that was my first taste. I was 19 and you're in a group with people from all over America. And it's like, you know, this is different. And um, and, and so I just I've, I wanted more of that. And uh, the idea I knew the concept of like two year thing and you're pretty much just like out there on your own. And like that just that just stuck with me for so long that I that I just had to do it. Nice dude. Um, what were I know you mentioned you lived alone. So what were like kind of the living quarters and the living environment? So I will condition. Yeah. So I will take that back. I lived I actually did live with another volunteer, but it was is such a unique perspective because like while you're living day to day, you're so in your own mind that, it, I mean, it truly is like you're living by yourself. It wasn't like we were doing everything together and everything was hunky dory or just the two white guys hanging out in the community. We were very, he was a teacher. I was a health educator and it was very like getting through the day on your own. And, um, but the living quarters were, be like a a traditional house um not a traditional house a cement block house but better better than most conditions in the community that i lived so most better than no cement block right house. so like you most houses are uh mud huts with straw roofs and then and then tin and then a lot of tin houses as well. Interesting. What was your What was like the most challenging thing, like when you got there and like through the, your time there? Well, so lots of challenges for sure. Um, I think the first one would be the language barrier. Um, they speak Portuguese there, so a lot of the three months living. Um, or doing the training is, is every day learning Portuguese. And for me, I'm just not the person to just like, I just get by, like I survive and I'm not trying, like I'm trying to learn it, but it's at the same time, I'm not trying to go so far out of my comfort zone. And so that mentality just did not help me in um, integrating into my community but at the same time, it was being stared at every single day um, during. Well, let me go back to the language during training. You're like taught proper Portuguese. And so um, you're, you're learning that you're learning that for months and months. And then you get and then I get to my site and it's almost I guess I would compare it to like somebody from the UK. Uh, somebody can't it's like it's almost like going and you're you're in the, the first time you ever learned english and you're going to west virginia and you're like the the whole slang and everything you're just like what is it? like what are they saying like it's just it was just really hard to pick that kind of stuff up for me so 
Um, but that was that was the first challenge. The second challenge is being stared at, and my personality is more um, introverted, I guess you could say. So to be good at being a volunteer, you know, you just got to put yourself out there. And um, being in uncomfortable situations, it just took me a while to um, to get to that point. Did you learn yeah. enough Portuguese to kind of... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you have no choice. It's, you know, you, you become fluent and you you learn you learn all the in and outs of how to say things. And, and then on top of that, what really got me integrated into the community was trying to learn local language. So um, there's like 80-some different local languages throughout the country. Um, and and that was one thing that... that really kind of gave me a badge of honor was that every time that because everybody greets each other it's always good morning how are you this and that and I would always and once I was able to learn the local language you know I could get some I could I could, I learned like five things and I could get somebody to believe that I was fluent in in local language you know like which was fun I mean it was a fun back and forth cultural exchange and and so it was like that. Is there is there a local language like kind of like when you go here to America and you go to like South Alabama or Georgia and they got that southern? Well, so that would be like their Portuguese. You know, that would be more like their Portuguese. Their local language is like so, like completely unique to them and has no connection to Portuguese whatsoever. Interesting. That's crazy. But they don't teach you that. They teach you Portuguese. No, they teach you Portuguese. And, and that's what they're supposed to that's what they're supposed to teach in the schools and this is another thing that I noticed in Mozambique is like the kids in home they learn their local language and they don't really learn Portuguese until they're like 10 but in the school system they're only supposed to learn Portuguese so it's like this becomes a disconnect of you know the education system and I mean you could probably do a whole podcast on that but so what about the cost of living? Like, what does one U.S. dollar equate to that currency? And what can that get you there versus here? Okay, that's a good question. Um, so, for example, as a Peace Corps volunteer, they give you just enough, not just enough, they give you enough to comfortably live, I would say. Um, I had a little saved, but, and, and I probably went through all of it, but... Um, I got about $200 a month to live. Um, a, do a dollar a beer, I would say. Um, I, there was a lot of bananas. There's a lot of tomatoes, a lot of bread that I, that I bought because the, the, the resources and the foods were very limited. But it would be like if I went to the city and got a plate of chicken, fries, and salad, it would be like $3. And Coke was, Coke was wow. 20 cents, something like that, 30 cents. So, yeah. Massively different. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the most rewarding thing looking back at your time? Well, the rewarding part was getting through, getting through it all. I mean, getting, not only getting through it all, but getting through it all with the mindset that I had going into it. So like the idea is I'm going to save the world and I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, which I, I did not save the world or anything like that. But, <laughs> and I don't think I made much of a difference, but it, but the whole idea for me was integrating into my community. Like I just, I wanted to know what it was like. I wanted to be accepted in my community and I just really, really emphasized that within my experience and um, you know, the first three, four months, five months um, were really, they were challenging for sure. But, you know, you, it's, it's almost just like looking yourself in the mirror and being like, you know, you have all the resources, just go out and do it. So I was able to do that. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations, by Thank the you. way. Yeah. You know, some, some people do the military, some do the Peace Corps, other people go to college and... We all do our own thing to find our own cause and purpose. And I've never actually met someone that's done the Peace Corps. 
So it's nice to see someone actually get out there and be able to share their experiences with me about Definitely. it. Absolutely. Um, so I know, obviously, during your time there, your mindset had to change. Um, but apart from that, like now that you've obviously been back home, are, have grown, getting older, whatever. Whatever this, what you, thing, what this, whatever you, this thing we're doing. <laughs> living life, adulting. What do you feel like you kind of took away from that experience that you can use? Or like what were some maybe some changes that you saw within yourself? I think what I've found and, and I feel like I'm still discovering um, is just a sense of calmness. Like, you know, I... I built up so long in my mind of doing the Peace Corps and, and maybe it's your twenties going into your thirties or, you know, there's probably many factors in this, but, um, I just, I feel like I was always chasing something before and now I'm here. And even though I'm still chasing and I'm still trying to better myself and all those things, you know, there's not that urge to like, hey, I want to go out tonight or, hey, I want to do this. Like, I did it. You know, I don't, I, I chased all the dragons I could there. And I think I did it for a lifetime. I feel like I felt like I did it for a lifetime. So, you know, I just feel a sense of calmness, a sense of content. Um, at the same time, day-to-day -day life is, you know, it's always a challenge. It's always trying to find the right thing. But if you could go back, and undo the time that you did, would you have made a different choice? Or would you still keep doing, knowing what it's like now, what you did? Oh yeah, no regrets at all. Absolutely not. I mean, everything that, everything that is my life now is, is based off of that experience. And, um, and yeah, I definitely would not change it for the world. So tell our view, you didn't walk away from Mozambique empty handed, no, we'll say. So tell our viewers uh, what you brought home. Well, outside of great adventures and experiences, um, well, I'll tell you a story. How about that? I'll try to tell it through a story. So, um, so as I'm as I'm starting to crawl and starting to walk through my experience, I'm starting to get comfortable. Um, I remember it was like April of 2018, which would be like almost like a year point of being in country, and about nine months of being through my two years. And I felt like this, like okay, like a weight off my shoulders, like okay, I'm gonna do this. Like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like not, it's not gonna be that bad. Um, and so I was really able to start growing, like or the idea of what I had before I left. So in May of 2018, my best friend from the States actually came to visit me. And we went down to Maputo, which is the capital city of Mozambique. It's the most developed. It's It rivals a, a, a modern day American city here. So he got there, we met, um, you know, it was adventure after adventure. We went to a music festival. Um, you know, we're drinking from noon to four in the morning. Um, at the music festival, he runs into this local fashion designer um, and she's doing a photo shoot the next day. And he's all like, I got the perfect model for you. And I had this big beard, long hair. And, you know, I'm sitting there at three in the morning like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it tomorrow. And it's supposed to be at noon. So, uh, you know, the next day we wake up, all right, let's go, let's, let's start going. So. We do that, you know, we move off from Maputo, we go up the coast, we go on the beaches, you know, again, adventure after adventure, we hitchhike all the way up to uh, where I lived. So he, he sh I showed him where I lived. Um, and then I, I sent him off and, you know, after that trip really solidified, like, yes, I'm like, I'm doing something right. And uh, I was able to show my best friend, you know, kind of the time of his life. So anyway, fast forward three months later, and a couple of my buddies that I'm volunteering with were meeting up in the middle, or it's the middle of our service. So this is the year mark, and everybody comes back from the country. The country is like Southern California all the way up to the tip of the Washington-Canadian border. So everybody comes down to Maputo 
to um, to come together and we have like a four day conference. Uh, me and my buddies came in like the weekend before again, adventure after adventure. And so, and so the longer that you're in Maputo, cause Maputo is like the hub, you, you find new spots to hang out and, and really cool places. So we knew that Sunday where, when everybody was coming, there was live music at this bar. So we're like, yeah, let's get everybody gathered up. Let's go to this bar. And, and so we do, we're just doing our thing. It's amazing moment after amazing moment. And I'm sitting there talking to somebody and I see that local fashion designer walking by and I grab her, I grab her arm and it ends up being my wife. That's, that's who my wife is now. So that's, that's how we met or that's how we started, uh, you know, the journey was from that August. So that's, that's what I brought back was my wife. Did you end up doing the photo shoot oh, hungover? Yeah, yeah. It was like a five-hour photo shoot. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was like it was like me. There was a couple. There was like two or three Europeans and then three or four Mozambicans and then me. And yeah. But yeah, I was very hungover. Do you ever wonder like why you didn't uh, like start talking to her back then and why it was three months later when you well, saw her again? Well, for the sake of the story... She she did try talking to me, and I was still like okay. So we she did try talking to me right away, and when she when I saw her at that bar in August, she was actually staring at me and pissed off at me, and because I told her that I would tell her the next time I was in the city, um, but you know when when she first initially reached out to me that first time, my mind just you know it, it was getting there, but I was still so focused on like. Like I live 16 hours away from her. Like I'm, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Like I can't rely on trying to get a note, get to get a, get to know a girl, um, in those situations. So, so how did you make it work if you live so far away from her? Um, hitchhiking and random bus trips down there. I guess she never came up to see me, um, but. You know, there was times where uh, Peace Corps would pay a, or they would fly us down there just for like different conferences or different events. Um, but I, pro I mean, honestly, I probably saw her like a handful of times. And then the conversation started like, well, I'm about to leave. Like, uh, I don't know what you're going to do. And, and so it was just like, well, let's start this thing. So how did it go from that to you're getting married in the bar? <laughs> um, so, you know, like I said, we saw each other probably a handful of times. Um, and, you know, I knew right away that, that she was the one. So it was a pretty easy, I mean, as long as she was down, I was down. Um, that process, like the visa process, like to get her actually over here. Um, we filled that out in March of 2019. I was coming back to the States in July of 2019. So you fill out all this paperwork. It's like page after page. You have to show that, you know, this relationship is legit and pictures and all that other good stuff. Um, and so we, we sent it off in March. I got back in July and she had to do... Um, she had to go to the South Af or the American embassy in South Africa. She had to do like a medical check and an interview, you know, again, just kind of making sure everything was legit. And she came at the end of October of, of that year. And then you have, and then if you ever seen 90 day fiance, which I wish that I would have known about that because I would have totally done it. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, you have 90 days to get married once she gets to country. So that's why we got married at a nine-bar nightclub where I used to work and now I work on the weekends. But it was very formal. What would have what would have been the difference if you got married there instead of here? Um, well, it just wouldn't be recognized here. I mean, she wouldn't be able. To, she would have to come on a different visa. Um, in order to come here and then it's not and then like it's a six-month visa and then she had to go back like it would be a lot more complicated to sustain a relationship yeah okay. 
And how long have you been married? We have been married. We just passed our third year. I almost got messed up because it's 2023. Um, yes, the third year. And we have, and I guess we can just add that I am now a father as well. And in five days, yeah. it'll be a one year old. So, yeah. Congratulations, good sir. Congratulations. Is it a boy? It is a girl. girl. Her name, name is Margaret Beatrice, and that would be my mother's middle name and her <clears throat> mother's first name, but she goes by Mary B. Okay. <laughs> I like how it. Is, how has being a dad changed you? Um, I would say, I mean, I mean, obviously it changes you. Um, you know, time is, is a much of a factor. Um, I wake up at five in the morning now just to avoid having to wake up with her because once she's up, it's, you know, 24 seven. So, uh, you know, schedules change, day-to-day -day routine changes. I think, you know, introspectively, you know, there's, there's not only raising somebody in America, but balancing, um, Mozambique is, is something that, um, my wife and I really, you know, we want her to know that side of life and it's just, you know, it's almost diving into what it's like to be Mozambican and, and, and diving into the history and being able to have those resources for her when the day comes where, you know, why is it like this? And why is it like that? You know, there's, there's so many different factors when you're, raising a child in America and they see that versus when they go to Mozambique and it's completely different. So For it's sure. just those type of thoughts and, and trying to educate myself. So living where you did over there with the Peace Corps, what would you say was the most beautiful thing that you saw from landscapes? Like what was the landscape like? Because I'm from Oregon. Well, I'm from Sioux Falls, but I live in Portland, Oregon, where everything is green almost year round. So what was your favorite part about living well, there? Well, the entire the, the country of Mozambique is very, very beautiful. It has almost every single type of terrain. Um, where I lived, it, it was mostly farmland, actually. So it wasn't so much. There was a river right next to it. Uh, I went there frequently. But my favorite part, my favorite landscape or terrain of Mozambique, the beaches are like untouched, absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and they have mountains, they have desert, they have almost like a red rock uh, type landscape as well. Um, but, you know, the beaches, they're, they're hard to beat. Mm -hmm. Awesome, dude. What kind of tips um, would you have for someone that wants to like travel abroad? Sorry, Kelly. Um, you know, I think it depends on your experience as a traveler. Um, if you're if you're trying to go somewhere like Mozambique, I would totally do it in a structure with a structured entity, so that you know you're able to navigate things a lot easier. I mean, just like flying there and just going there and trying to navigate that world i mean it it's can be done it's not it's not impossible but i feel like you'd get much more out of it with a guide with or with like a church or with again peace corps or there's so many different organizations out there that that you could you know get the tourist side and maybe get to know the people you know when you said that the the landscape and the terrain like the only thing i could think about was how beautiful the people were like it was it was just so amazing to be able to go up to anybody. Didn't hurt that I was white and they were interested already, but you, I could have any conversation I wanted with anybody and it would, it would like just make my day, like just every single time. So. Very cool. Um, apart from your experience with Peace Corps, we do want to talk about your entrepreneurial oh. side. Um, so you and Nadia both have businesses. So share a okay, little I will about start those. with, and I, and I feel like we both do, we both have a part in both of them. But um, 
the one that I started, and I actually started it not knowing I was going to start it there, but in Mozambique, is um, Clothing My Vintage. So it's all secondhand vintage clothing. Um, I sell that on Etsy. Um, I've been doing that. That's actually, I won't name the employer, Kelly, but where I worked with you at, I left there. And, um, and I started doing that full time. Um, and so, you know, that's just, you know, going to Goodwills, going to thrift stores, um, doing research on, I mean, you don't have to do too much research when you see a, an old school nineties starter jacket. I already know that's worth it, but, um, but yeah, so it was, so that's, that's the one that I, that I take charge of mostly. And then my wife's business, which she had started before um, we had met, which was the local fashion designer photo shoot, um, is Inside Out Moe's. And that is all her doing. It's all her handcrafted, um, whether it's bags, it's shirts, it's pants, it's hats, um, wallets, earrings. Um, it is, it is an African, it is a African print. There's an African print pattern, um, that has thousands of variations. Um, so we try to incorporate those variations into, um, modern day clothing, I guess you could say. I think they call it contemporary fashion, but you'd have to ask her. <laughs> Very cool. And that's on Etsy Etsy as well. Okay. What's the coolest piece you found and like flipped? So I was looking back. I think the, the, the bet or the, the most expensive one to the cheapest one that I bought was it was a $5 Tony Kukoc champion Jersey. It was their alternative Jersey. So it was a black Jersey, like look brand new. Uh, I bought that for $5 and I sold it for 200. Um, and then, but like, I think the craziest like offhand thing that I found was like, I was in a Goodwill, I was in Sioux Falls and you know, you go through the men's section, you go through all the shirts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing. And my wife was like standing over by the shoes and I just like, and there's like all these women clothes and I just like look over and there were four t-shirts there that seemed really out of place. So I looked at those t-shirts and I haven't sold them yet, but they're all over. They're all worth over a hundred dollars for sure. But it was a Papa, one Papa Roach, two Corn, and then the third one was, or the fourth one was, um, it was one of those like rock hard ninety '90s bands, and they're like like the authentic. You can authenticize them by like they have years on the image, and then the the tag lines up with like a vintage tag, but. That was pretty offhand right there. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Probably cooler right. to me because I know who they are. <laughs> yeah, y'all are speaking a different <laughs> Well, I knew, that, I knew my cousin was into them, so I'm like, yeah, that was, that's 90 right there. That and FUBU. <laughs> yeah, Damon Johnson, like right? <laughs> yeah, FUBU. What piece of advice would you give somebody starting their own business like that? Well, I think, you know, there's so many avenues nowadays. Um, you know, just like start something that you're passionate about. I mean, then it's not really trying so hard. I mean, for me, I, I walk into a Goodwill and I'm just like there and just like a video game just hooked and like, where am I going to find? What am I going to find? So it's just, it's really easy for me and and for my wife, you know, it's, it's just something that she has a passion for. She she has a passion for fashion um, that grew out of not having the clothes she wanted in the stores that were available in Mozambique. So it was just her doing her own investigation and her like you know getting that passion and and just moving forward with it. So you know sometimes you do it out of necessity and sometimes it's just something that you grew up with and. You want to explore. That's awesome. Well, we'll definitely have your guys' business links down in the description <laughs> on YouTube, yep. on YouTube live, by the way. <laughs> uh, wow. have on 
I'll have it on Facebook. I'll have it on everything. So Tracy's the party, uh, the life of the party because he's alive. Yeah, that's me. All right, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I think Kelly should kick this off. Okay, these are meant to be just like off the cuff, like first thing you can think of. So, first off, uh, what is the most embarrassing moment you've ever had? I mean, probably just getting too drunk and my wife seeing me the next day. Or that night, I should say, not the next day. Um, there is a, there is something that does come to mind, though. Um, it's kind of a story. But when I was going overseas, um, I was a puny E3. It's just, it's the lowest of the low. Um, and I... And it was like the, the month before we were supposed to go overseas, there was like a family get together and I had drank a little bit too much the night before. And I told, I asked my sergeant, I asked my supervisor, Hey, like, can I go? Cause this is stupid. Like my family's not here. I'm going to go. So he's like, yeah, that's fine. So apparently I got promoted that day and wasn't there to receive it. And so then a couple weeks later I go up to like my boss boss. And he's giving me a counseling statement and being young and naive uh, and I think just a small town kid, the counseling statement said, you did not let anybody know that you were leaving. And I go, no, like I told my sergeant, I told my guy. And then he's all, he kind of connected that. It didn't take me out of getting in trouble, but then I kind of, they call it a blue falcon. But yeah, I got my sergeant in trouble. So that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> that's the one thing about the military that i do not regret ever dealing with is their way and ideology of punishing people i feel is right. so outdated like you're in a group of people one of them messes up god forbid next thing you know my Saturday's <laughs> taken away and they're all like you got your buddy system do this and i'm like how can i be my own person if I'm babysitting another yeah. grown-ass yeah. adult, right? And I hated how they did it all the time. It was, it was someone got a DUI. You call in the whole company, and everyone's weekend's just gone, done. Someone effed up, and you all know what's coming. That's next. Accountability, one-on-one, right there. <laughs> all right, what's the word? What's the weirdest food you ever? Had? Um, probably goat stomach. Twisted, or um, it was almost like a pig's in a blanket. It was like uh, a goat's stomach and then the intestines wrapped around it. That was probably the weirdest. There was some rat, there was some fry, there was some charcoal okay. rat, but I never, I refused to try. So that probably was number one. So would you, would you rather eat that or our Leska, sorry, our last guest speaker said she tried this egg? that had a bird developed in it. So when you broke open the egg, you had a like developed baby bird that was dead and the beak and you would eat the whole thing. And I was like, that does not sound uh, I think, to I think me. The, the, the guts in the intestines actually not that bad. Like it, it wasn't bad. Unless you started thinking about it, then it was like, eh. but yeah, no, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather eat my, my goat guts than, than that. If you could have one, if you could have one superpower, what would you have? Oh and why? man! If I had the superpower, I don't know. I'd fly, I guess. I don't know why. I don't know why. Why? Where would I Where fly would all around fly the world? To? I'd fly so fast that I would reverse time, and I travel back. <laughs> How about this? What is the one uh, one superpower you hmm. would not want? Is that spaghetti a hand? spaghetti finger? Yeah, that doesn't sound like hand. a feeling one. I guess how many uh, superpowers <laughs> are there out there? I don't know. Think about Marvel. I'd love to travel through time and space, or have the. Uh, yeah, see, I'm not. I'm not deep in the stone. Marvel world. I, I never got into it, so I guess I could have drawn a lot of examples off of those guys, but yeah. Sorry, no superpowers. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever want to be able to hear people's thoughts because I think I'm already overwhelmed with my own thoughts. I don't need to hear like everyone else's in the room. 
but Kelly, what about gossip? That's a different type of listening <laughs> that doesn't affect you. Know, you. That's, Ke- that's Kelly's <laughs> go-to right there. In cubicles, <laughs> you know, you what cubicles the cubicles yeah. You just keep your head up, a beard, and everything. I love to hear it. I have FOMO, so I can't miss out on anything. But I don't spread it. Right. Right, Sam? You're just the person to come to if I want to know something. Kelly, spill the tea. Spill the tea. <laughs> I, did like, I did like coming oh, to you, no, Kelly, for some gossip talk. So, you know. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Sam, favorite color, go. Oh, man. These are tough. Um... <laughs> these are tough these are hard i feel like there's an answer there but like i don't know green but a, but a but a specific type of green okay. like a mint like a dark mint green they may have another oh, name yeah, for sure. that, but that's that's what i'm going for tracy that's like a dark turquoise i think it's turquoise with a nice creamy yellow mm. the shirt that he's wearing yeah that makes sense. Um, another question: Are you ever gonna grow well, your no, long hair I'm and beard in the back? National Guard? I, I can't do it in a month. It took me three years to get that. Not with that well, attitude. That's really... <laughs> I said not with well, that they, attitude. Well, they are allowing a lot more Crazy. different things in the in the military nowadays. So maybe I can get some type of profile to allow me to not shave, and I think I could. Honestly, yeah, honestly, I think I could. It's funny, too, because, like, we deployed with the SEALs, and they all had beards, and I'm just like, you, there you go. bastards. Yeah. Tracy, how long does it, how long did it take you to grow this out? From, like, you shave to, like, right now? Uh, man. Five months? No. Dude, that comb makes it look well-maintained, well though. Because it is well made. Oh, speaking of drinking, Sam, what is your best go-to drink? Like, well, I'm an I'm an IPA guy. Whatever. And if I go, but in my college days, I would take Rumple Mints like it was going out of style. Peppermint schnapps. Peppermint schnapps. What is that? Um, and now I'm kind of now I'm kind of leaning towards tequila. So I've been kind of dabbling into tequila lately. No, no, I do straight? it with Seven Up and lemon juice, not lime, lemon juice. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Are you a drink kind of guy, or are you a shot kind of guy? Because I just down it. Right. I don't need the extra. No, I get too, in too much trouble with just shots, so I gotta drink it slowly. All right. I drink. I know. <laughs> I've been there with Kelly. Kelly, have we been there? I mean, I'm pretty sure your first week I took you out. Remember yeah, we were on the patio casual, at BB's? Like going to town. Yeah. Yeah. More like happy hour style. Sam, if we didn't tell oh. you, Tracy doesn't drink. That's why he's so. <laughs> That's why I'm so right what, Josh? So quiet, and he looks at me like my uh, dad would uh, when he's disappointed. I don't have anything to add about alcohol. Why would you guys do this? Shame, shame, shame. You can do whatever he you want. He has, like, instead of resting bitch face, it's like resting disappointed face. I've got, I've gotten that once or twice. You just need to hold him back and give him a shot. I get it. Yeah. All right. He's the dad in the group. By the way, it took me under two months to grow my beard. What the, f- what the Frank? I sh- I think I shaved right after her birthday, and her birthday's on November eighth, so probably a week or a month and three weeks or something. Dude, it probably takes me two weeks to grow like a third of what you grew, which is insane because it starts growing slower after it starts like growing, growing. But that's insane, dude. Keep it up. Kelly <laughs> beard talk. I'm if our listeners actually... want to follow in on Tracy's beer journey, um, we do record and release typically in order. So you can go back to Well, I'm sure he maintains it. It's not like he's just letting it grow out. out. I think I'm actually okay. going to 
kind of let it go out more. Are you, are you covering up any hairs? Like, yeah, you, know, you get it like a little, I get it. I have got some gray hairs. I've lived a very stressful life. Tracy, um, have you shaved your beard since we started doing this podcast six months ago? Yeah, I literally just told you I started growing this out in November. <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry, man. Well, that's good for you, dude. James gets little peach fuzz here and here and not like right here. So yeah, not a my, my brother did that too. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me at tracybeardjourney.com. Not a real site. All right. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Lastly, Sam, we want to hear what is next for you. Obviously, yes. we just celebrated New Year's. So do you have any New Year's goals or resolutions? I try, or what's I try not to have New Year's resolutions plan. just because it's like we should just be doing them anyway. But um, I guess in the, in the coming months and years, um, hoping to get back to Mozambique. Um, we did visit, my wife and I visited last year, um, hoping to go again this year. Um, I am in the National Guard. I am going to be an officer. Most people probably doesn't know what that means, but um, I am going to be um, starting school in regards to that in March. So, you know, I'm just trying to progress my career, progress my personal development, and just become the best me I can. Yes. As we all should. I don't I don't Absolutely. think there's a better note to end on. <laughs> well, right. Sam, thank you for being on here and sharing your journey, dude. Like, it's been cool yeah. getting to know, one, about the Peace Corps, two, the country that you did your work in, three the work that you did and also to end it like your story with meeting your wife and where you are now like it's really like it really is eye-opening or ear-opening i guess to hear someone else's experiences like that not everybody gets that and not not everybody has the courage to do that type of commitment so thank you for doing that being a volunteer and trying to make the difference in the world all right. And I'm going to check I'll out your it. site. I'll send the links. Yes, we will check those out. Awesome. We'll include the links and yeah. um, we appreciate right. you being on. Thank, thank you. Nice yeah, buddy. Great meeting you, man. Later, guys. Bye. Have a great night. Bye. Care, thank you. Bye.